0: Thank you for joining us on After Dark with Rob and Andrew, available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, feel free to go to AmericaOutloud.com for tons of podcasts that you don't want to miss. Tonight, Andrew can't be on with me, but Heather Robinson of the New York Post is joining me again to pick up where we left off last night, our conversation talking about race. Last night, we had a very candid conversation, and we weren't able to solve anything. If you missed that conversation when it goes on podcast, I would definitely encourage you to listen to it, because there's so much that's happening in society now, and everything seems to be around race. If something bad happens, it's race, definitely geared toward Republicans or conservatives. And as we said last night, I pointed out situations that have taken place In our society, one of them being the story with Andrew Lester, 85-year-old Kansas City, Missouri man, who's been charged with two felonies because he shot at Ralph Yarl, a 16-year-old Black youth. Another situation took place in upstate New York. Kaylin Gillis, a 20-year-old white woman, was shot by Kevin Monahan for turning around in his driveway. They were both white. Had another situation in Chicago whereby two, a couple, 20-year-old Ashley and 22-year-old DJ, he's black, she's white, were attacked by a group of, of what can I say, uh, wilding black kids. And they almost lost their lives had it not been for a good Samaritan, Lenora Dennis, who went in and, and stopped the attack on them. We're now finding out that just the other day, there was another shooting by a black man, I'm looking at my notes here, of a six-year-old girl and her parents. Apparently, yeah, I have it right here. Robert Lewis Singletary was, I think he's 24, North Carolina. He shot a six-year-old girl, Kinsley White, and her mom, Ashley Hillebrand, and dad, William White. And of these stories, the only one that the media decided to pick up on and talk about was the shooting of Ralph Yarl, the 16-year-old Black kid, by Andrew Lester. Ralph Yarl, I'm glad to report, is doing fine. He's at home. He's out of the hospital. He's up and about. But the six-year-old girl, very little has been reported about her. Now, we found out about it because of the uh, on, uh, online news stories. But the mainstream media is yet to report on the story. They're yet to say anything about it. And to boot, Joe Biden called the family of Ralph Yarl to make certain that he was okay. And then he invited the youth to the White House. Never once has he called the family of Ashley Hillebrand, Kinsley White, a six-year-old kid. Now, I'm sure, had the president called her, She would have been ecstatic, like, wow, I'm six years old and the president is thinking about me. Also, the president has not called the family of Kaylin Gillis, who lost her life. The president has not called Ashley or DJ from Chicago, who were attacked by Black youths. President Biden has not called the family of the six individuals who were shot and killed in Nashville, Tennessee, yet he's invited. The two black man representatives who were at one point kicked out of the or expelled from the Tennessee legislature for causing a riot at the Capitol. They're in Tennessee. He's called them and he's invited them to the White House. Biden has not called or invited the families of those individuals who were impacted by the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. So when you look at this and we talk about racism, and how the left is constantly saying, oh, it's so prevalent. What can be more racist than the so-called president of the United States reaching out to a select group of people and not the others? Reaching out to the Black individuals and not the white individuals as if they'll to say, "Your your life don't matter. Your life just don't matter. We're only concerned about the Black people because I want their votes. This is 2023 and the person who's supposed to be the, hold the highest office in the land is dividing us along racial lines. Is this what we wanted in society? Is this equity? And as I mentioned last night, is this King's dream? The division? <sighs> Heather, I'm at a loss. I was at a loss last night and I'm at a loss again. I sent you some of the stories, and I can't – and then you sent me the story from the writer of, uh, on Fox News, Giovanni, who was saying we, we need to have a conversation about race. But the conversation that the left wants to have is a divisive conversation. It's you shut up and let me talk. Yeah, when you it's... see a gang of youths that are out wilding in society, tearing up things in Chicago – when you see Black men constantly attacking people, we're supposed to be okay with that? When you see a district of attorney, Alvin Bragg, reduce a felony to a misdemeanor and let these criminals back out on the streets, and you see this all over, look at St. Louis. You have the uh, district of attorney there, uh, district of attorney, Gardner, who's refusing to show up in court to try a Black man. Because she's hoping that the charges will get dismissed. Whereas, when a white person like Andrew Lester commits a crime, we want to throw the book at him. We want to punish him to the full extent of the law. We want to say that he's a racist. I I can't figure this out, Heather. It's it's nuts. It, it's yes. crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a function, you know, at least in part of this idea that only certain people and groups of people can be racist and others can't be, and that we're not all human. I mean, you know, it's really dehumanizing. And that's the thing I, I never can understand. I mean, it's, I understand trying to have real genuine sensitivity to each other and to different individuals and groups and their unique experiences and unique hardships and histories. But where you know it's a big leap to go from there to saying that only that there should be different standards for different people and that only some people are capable of racism or of you know illegality and there's all got to be I mean it's just yeah it's really not dr king's vision as you said and the truth is there's really just the human race and anybody can be a racist and anybody can be better than that and i don't know why that simple universal truth can't be taught and can't be said
0: anymore right and the media and i said this last night i blame them Mm -hmm. for not covering a lot of these stories, and then overcovering some of the others, they, they definitely have an agenda to make Blacks think that people are coming after them. I look at the situation, I just keep going back to this case with Ralph Yarl, the 16-year-old, and Andrew Lester. Again, I don't know Andrew's heart. But the way this was portrayed was that He deliberately tried to kill this kid. He went after him. And the pictures that we saw of this kid laying in the hospital with his head bandaged up looked like he was near death's doorstep. Only to find out that it seemed as if though as soon as he went in, he was out the next day. So it begs the question, did the bullet graze his head? I mean, how how severe were his injuries? Again, he was 16 years old. It should not have happened. But the way it was portrayed in the media is if though this man just like shot this kid, this kid was going to die. He was Mm -hmm. on life support. They talked it up so to get a rile out of the black community, to get a rile out of these – to get people to protest, to get out in the streets so that they can label and say, you see that? Republicans are bad. Now, we don't know this man's political affiliation. Now, I do know that since this happened, his wife, his former wife, whom hadn't seen him, I think, in two decades, she's now coming out and saying that, oh, well, he was mean to me. And he, Okay, that was two decades ago. And you could not even recognize him when you saw it. So what happened then and now are, are two different things. And that's not to say the man is it still mean. I know that his grandson came out and said that, oh, yeah, my granddad, he was a mean person but I don't think he's a racist. I don't think he's a racist. And I, I think the grandson is probably, he's probably uh, bitten the, uh, the apple of, of the wokeism just from reading what he was saying about the granddad. Mm-hmm. But again, this but, is the, yeah. and It's
1: like a little bit like what I, how can I put it? I mean, I don't think you need to uh, defend your relative, but it was, I I was a little skeptical of that too, Rob. It's like, who, you know, I mean, if if you're appalled by what your relative did, you know, you can say you're very sorry about, you know, what happened and you feel very sad for the victim and your heart is with them. I mean, you can leave it at that. You really don't have to start bad-mouthing your relative. I mean, even if your relative did something terrible, I don't, I mean, I would think, you know... (laughs) to sit there and, you know, when the whole world already hates your relative or, you know, start, you know, picking them apart, it just seems unnecessary. It's like...
0: It was almost as if, though, he, this was, he, he the, the, the grandson, uh, it's like, well, I'm going to kick him while he's down because he didn't do right by whatever. So this is my chance to hit him. But at the same time, I'm going to say, well, I don't think he's a racist, but he was me. <laughs> I mean, I, could, I could, I'm serious. I could see the grandson out in the streets with the flag, walking around with "Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter," because for him, I mean, this is a thing to do. He's a Generation Z or Xer or whatever you want to call it, Generation G. Uh, so, a poor, of course, he has no love lost for his for his granddad. But I just found that article very suspicious.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it it struck me as. A kind of a piling on, and again, I mean, even when you you hear the relatives of people, I mean, you see, it always strikes me, if anything, that when you see these terrible people, murderers and rapists, and people on trial, you know, usually their their relatives are there in support of them. I mean, you know, I mean, and I mean, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that to to you know pile on your relative after they've already been arrested and subject to all this, this condemnation just seemed, yeah, it seemed a little weird to me.
0: Extremely weird. So I wondered now how the media is going to deal with this going forward. Clearly they want Andrew Lester. They've identified him as being an evil man and they mm-hmm. want him he's 85 years old and again if he if this man is as mean as they say he is okay of course you know he should he should have to answer to the crime but you're 85 years old you're in the bed sleeping you you're seeing all these stories about people breaking in and they break in they kick beat the heck out of you and then they're arrested but then they're let go um i can't i would imagine that this man was fearful for his life to hear someone knocking at his door, banging on his door and he's thinking, I'm sleeping, he's waking up and thinking that someone's about to come in and cause yeah. me harm. It
1: may have just been a panic reaction,
0: right. which
1: is terrible, but, you know, it's human and you know, if you if, you, if you're genuinely in panic, um, it's terrible things like this can happen, I guess. I don't, I mean, it's, I mean, the gun rights, I mean, the gun control people rather would probably say that the problem is the proliferation of guns. And, you know, if he hadn't had a gun at the ready, this wouldn't have happened. But of course, we know, you know, all the counter arguments to that. And, um, you know, that there are people who successfully defend themselves in the cases of actual home invasion. And you know, and if you take the guns away from everybody who has the license to them, that only criminals have guns, et cetera, et cetera. So I tend to see it as you do, Rob. I think, um, I don't know the man and I don't know, you know, but it's pretty hard just based on what's come out to, you know, believe that he was, it just sounds like it was a, that he was in, in, you know, in terror for his life. And I think that so much of these, you know, what's going on in the society, as you said last time, and there's so much fear on, on all sides, and fear does not bring out you the know, best of us. And, and yeah. it's the,
0: the media is causing the fear.
1: Well, they're stoking it anyway.
0: There's, yeah, they're stoking well. the fear. And I Thank wonder, you. and that's the reason why I blame them. And as I was about to say, I wonder, like, who, who's going to go out and say, you guys have got to stop? This has to end. We can't continue like this. We want to bring people together, not to separate them.
1: Well, it's very tough, Rob, because we have a First Amendment and the media is a business too. And despite everybody's protestations, this is a lot of what people click on and want to read is this, this sensational news of conflict. And, but I mean, as a journalist, I, I agree with you that there are Ways to try to not sensationalize things, you know. I I don't, you know. I thought of that case during the beginning of the pandemic, right around the time George Floyd was murdered. That case of the Central Park Karen, they called her,
2: right. And
1: you know that was a, a bad moment of you know a conflict, a scrap between two people, and. I, I felt like that was really arguably not even newsworthy. I mean, it wasn't something where somebody, God forbid, got shot or assaulted. It was a, a verbal altercation.
0: Well look, heather, like, I, I I wanted to I want us to talk about that. We mentioned it briefly last night. but we're yeah. up against a commercial break. We're going to go to the commercial break, and then I want us to go back into that because I want people to understand. Uh, what happened with that case in Central Park. You tuned in to After Dark with Robin Andrew, an American Outlaw platform. Go grab uh, a snack, get some water, whatever you want, but come back and listen to this second half of the show. Thank you.
3: In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. World-class care from doctors you can trust Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness.
0: And we're back after dark with Robin Andrew and my special guest host, Heather Robinson. When we went to break, still we're trying to understand this whole race issue we want to talk about it because for some reason people are afraid to talk about it but yet still they always want to yell it's racism you're a racist so heather was mentioning the story that she had talked about briefly on last night's show about the central park woman who was walking her dog and there was a black guy who claimed that the media claimed that she she was a karen and she mistreated him pick it up from there heather go ahead
1: Yeah, well, it really went viral, that story, at the beginning of COVID, and essentially it was a woman in the park with her dog in the Ramble where the dog was running, and and a man uh, who confronted her and uh, insisted that she put her dog on the leash, and she didn't, and they fought. It was like a city, New York City confrontation, uh, meaning that it was two people who I, my opinion of them both was that they seemed rather um, petty to tell you the truth and they you know but i didn't think it rose to the level of something that needed to become national news but the reason i mentioned it is it became national news i think because you know cnn seized on it i think that they were savvy enough to know that it was um could have potential Um, kind of racial reverberations because the woman when she called the police after she she and this man were fighting verbally fighting she said you know an african-american man with you know emphasizing african-american is threatening my life which many people were horrified about because they thought it seemed as if she was playing the race card and exaggerating now i i I do have an opinion about it, but w- without even getting into my opinion, um, this woman was uh, just completely um, vilified uh, in the media and by trolls and commenters by the thousands in the days after this. She was fired from her job. Uh, she had her dog taken away from her. She was completely branded and and just um, demonized. And she wound up leaving the country um, because she was so harassed when she would walk down the street. Uh, she was labeled this this racist Karen. And, you know, I'm not, I can't be in her heart. I don't know whether or not she's racist. But a lot of things came out in the aftermath that were reported in a, in a podcast that I think I sent you the other day, Rob, Barry Weiss said her... Um, podcast honestly did a great job and actually was another journalist a young man a black journalist who interviewed this woman he found her in europe and and she talked about the the just the the trauma of this and without being too self-pitying i mean she just talked about how she's essentially gone into hiding but what was really um worth noting is that there were all kinds of facts surrounding this that never got reported, that never got any follow-up, such as that the man, his name is Christian Cooper, who had confronted her and fought with her, had had other altercations with people in the park. There was another man who wrote a letter to the New York Times that he recognized this fellow, Christian Cooper, and that he, he happened to be a black man himself, which is relevant because this was all supposedly racism on the woman's part. But this other person was black himself. And he said, that guy, I'm paraphrasing him, you know, got in my face, was her- confrontational with me, tried to feed my dog in, you know, to lure my dog away from me. And I told him to stop it. I warned him, don't you feed my dog. And he wouldn't stop. And this man reported that he physically shoved this guy, Christian Cooper, that he got physical because Christian Cooper was allegedly so pushy and so lacking in any sense of boundaries with regard to this person's dog. So the point is, it's, you know, that was one very strong piece of evidence that indicated that Christian Cooper himself was a hothead and he was having confrontations. This wasn't the first time and, you know, tried to feed a stranger's dog despite the stranger warning him to stop doing that so the point is you know all of that suggests that this was not such a clear-cut um case of this woman just you know for absolutely no reason like pretending that she was feeling threatened and labeling him and trying to get him a you know what what emerged is that there's a pattern here but the point is that the media's reporting of the original incident was so shallow And it was just designed to sensationalize. I mean, it was a a kind of a, a, a dramatic and black and white, no pun intended, kind of thing that the media ran with, I think, and, you know, to get ratings, to get hits and clicks and... Essentially, it was not a very fully or fairly told story on the part of the New York Times, but they got a lot of coverage, you know, they got a lot of business out of it. And in the meantime, you have people all worked up and angry and taking sides and demonizing the one or the other. And, you know, really all this was in the first place was, you know, you know, a verbal altercation that really didn't rise to the level of anything that even needed to be national news. Um, so I, I'm agreeing with you, basically. My, my main point here is just that I think the media does, you know, sell papers and get people to click on videos, you know, by showing things that are charged and that pit the races against each other. And I think and it's, it's regardless...
0: There. Right. Regardless if they don't, they don't have the truth, they don't care. It's just this is a story that we want to go with. We're going to get a lot of clicks. We're going to get people's attention. So we're going to run with it. And like you said, this poor woman had to leave the country. Mm-hmm. And you look at, the, look at the situation here with Kaylin Gillis, 20 years old. And this man, a white man shot her, killed her. And the media can't report on it. It's just like a a story, an afterthought, and her poor dad is like, okay, I don't want to go to the White House, but this happened because of the policies that this administration has put forth. Now, (laughs) for all we we know that this girl's dad, Kaylin's dad, is possibly a Democrat, but it doesn't matter. Because it does not fit the narrative that the media wants that white people are after black people. You look at the situation whereby the black man shot this six-year-old girl. Now, that's news. But no one wants to talk about it because he's black. Now, had he been white and the little girl was black, they would still be talking about it. People would be getting ready to go in the streets and protest.
1: And you know what? If he had been black and the little girl was black, which happens a lot, it would hardly get any coverage.
0: No coverage. Well, you look at Chicago. Every night, black on black crime.
1: It's terrible. No one
0: one says anything about it.
1: Children dying, American children dying every day. And, you know, do their lives matter?
0: Apparently not. You look at Joe Biden, again, I look at the case in Nashville, whereby the kids were uh, the not – three kids and three adults were killed, a transgender a woman thinking that she's a man. And Heather, we're yet to get the manifesto from, the, uh, from that transgender. Now, interestingly enough, the manifesto from the guy who shot up the bank in Kentucky that was released – in his manifesto, he said that he wanted to prove how it's easy to get a gun. He also wanted to – there were three things, how easy it is to get a gun, that he wanted to die a, uh, you know, after this all happened. And then there was one other reason, but the fact that he said that he wanted to prove how easy it was to get a gun, that's something that the left wants. They, they love talking about that. Before then, they wouldn't say anything about this guy. Why was his manifesto released and not the manifesto of the trans woman? Why are we still waiting? It's like well, select, yeah. selectively, we don't want that information out there because if that information is out there, people are going to start to question our judgment and rightfully so.
1: It's, it's Yes, it's not about the victims. It's about who hurt them. It's about whether the person who hurt them happened to be white or black or straight or gay or transgender. It's It's appalling. It's not about the life, what is, you know, the worth of the lives of the victims. It's just, it gets more coverage if the person who victimized them happens to be the people the media doesn't like. And, it, you know, I noticed this, remember the Pulse nightclub massacre? That was one yep. of the worst, probably the worst massacre of gay Americans in the history of this country. 50 people um, murdered. And because the shooter, the murderer, happened to be a Muslim gay man, you don't hear about that anymore. I mean, that you no. would think I mean, that was worse than Stonewall. I mean, it was, you know, a massacre of people in a club, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people killed. Like, who knows how many people permanently injured, maimed. It was a bloodbath. But I think the reason we don't hear about it or about the victims or what their recovery has been or memorializing them is because the killer happened to be a Muslim and gay. So I don't even think he was. I think he was somebody they thought might have been gay. But the point is he was a Muslim. So, you know, we don't really talk about his victims or care much, apparently. It's, it's ridiculous.
0: And I, I, I saw on The View the other day, Patty LaPone she was out lamenting and she was saying that christians are worse than the taliban i thought no you you got that wrong because if the taliban were in control you wouldn't be on tv and if you were on tv as soon as you left they would probably chop your head off because they don't want women to have rights so to try and equate christians to the taliban it's like are you serious but see this is where we are in society
1: it's so ridiculous. It's like this hierarchy based not on ethics or values or characteristics or facts. or facts, or, you know, it's all about the color of your skin, your religion, your sexual orientation, whether you want to switch sex. I mean, then you're a good person, you know, and then, or then you're misunderstood. And if you're, you know, you're white you're christian you're jewish whatever then you're just the privileged person who can't be a victim of any crime or racism i mean it's the whole thing would be i mean if it weren't so totally childish and idiotic it would be laughable i mean that this is what people believe it's like it's like something that you know you'd think they would have gotten over in kindergarten You know,
0: these are educated. Here's the scary thing about it, Heather, is that these are educated people with advanced degrees Mm. that are pushing this nonsense. And they actually believe it. I know. I'm thinking, but this is so wrong. When you look at the cases that I just mentioned, the stories of what happened in the news of the people who were killed, who were shot at, and then you're only going to get preference to the one boy who was 16 years old. Again, what happened to him was wrong, and I, I shouldn't even have to. I shouldn't even have to qualify that and say what happened to him was wrong. We should know that right off the bat. But if well, we, we don't do. qualify, but, and we do. But if we don't qualify it, sure. If we don't qualify it, people say, "Oh, what are you saying?" Then they'll change the narrative to make it seem as if though, oh, well, you're saying that what happened to him was it wrong? Like, no, that is wrong. But We shouldn't have to qualify. We should automatically know he was 16 or anyone at any age. It doesn't matter. Being shot. That's wrong. And it was wrong for what happened to the six year old. But no one is talking about the six year old. No one is talking about the six victims from Nashville because it's not part of the narrative that they want.
1: I keep going back to this, I know, but I'll never, you know, for the rest of my life, will never ever forget, it was so indelible to me that summer of 2020 during the pandemic when Black Lives Matter was the mantra. And every morning I would read the New York Times um, and I would read about like the children, you know, most of whom were black children killed that summer. And I remember one horrible statistic, twice the number of children were shot that 4th of July as had been shot and killed the previous 4th of July of 2019. So it was in the hundreds. Um, I believe it was you know, over 100 the prior year and over 300 that summer that we were told it Black Lives Matter. In the, in the climate of, of you know, those protests that turn to riots and defund the police, double the number of African-American children were killed, at least on that day, on the 4th of July. And I remember just sitting there and thinking to myself, you know, all these babies, all these little precious children, and here we are, this summer is supposed to be all about raising consciousness about the value of lives especially the lives of black Americans. And I I just couldn't believe the Orwellian nature of what I was being told I had to uh, agree with. I had to agree with this mayhem, even though it it was part of the cause of the deaths of more children, more black children. You know, because because it was connected, because there was more violence and there was less police protection, and a lot of these children were being caught in the crossfire of gang warfare. And I just sat there, and in, in I was just heartbroken, and I still am, and I still can't believe it. I can't believe that it happened in America. And you know, finally, I wrote something about it. I, I was afraid to, because I didn't want it to be taken the wrong way, because it was such a sensitive time. And I know I'm a white woman, and I'm not a black woman, and I'm not living in the inner city. But I do care about the lives of children. And I felt like, if I don't write something, what kind of a fake commentator or journalist am I? You know, if I can't do a tiny, if I can't lift a finger to even write a stupid blog post about this. And you know, I don't think it made a difference, Rob, but it it lost me friends. There were people who were outraged that I wrote this, that I wrote just the simple, obvious observation that how how can we keep supporting this movement when an unintended consequence of it is that more black lives are being lost. And I still don't understand. I still don't understand why there was not more concern, why there is not more concern. I know there is on the part of some true humanitarians like yourself and there are people in the inner cities working. And I'm not saying it's everybody. I know there are people who do a lot more than I do to try to protect black children and do things. But I just think why the masses of people in the country don't really care more when we're supposed to be at a point when we're really valuing lives. And it's just the height of hypocrisy to me. I don't know what it means, you know, if we can't prioritize the lives of children in this country, including black children, black American children. I don't don't know what these movements are worth. I really don't if they do do not prioritize their lives.
0: Heather, that was powerful, what you just said. And Being a Black man, I also got a lot of pushback when I questioned the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, We're up against another commercial break, but I want us to delve into that some more during the last half of the show. Because it's it's very important, as you said, we're all human beings and we're concerned for all lives and not just one group of people. You're tuned into After Dark with Robin Andrew, America Out Loud. My special host, guest host tonight is Heather Robinson of the New York Post. Please come back after the break, and we will uh, continue this important conversation. Thank you.
2: Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. CoFix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? Co-fix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of CofixRx nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a CofixRx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com.
3: Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutLoud.com seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty.
2: America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all.
0: We're back in the last half of the show and we're talking about race, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. And when we went to break, Heather was sharing with us about a story that she had written and how she got a lot of pushback from people, but she was asking the question and rightfully so about Black Lives Matter, how could we support such a group? And Heather, you're not alone, me being a black man, I've questioned that and I've even asked people, I've said, do you actually understand what Black Lives Matter, what it, what it stands for, and the founders of it, what they meant, what the intention was. Because it was founded after Trayvon Martin was killed in Florida. He was uh, 16, 13 years old, 16 years old, I think. And he was killed by a security guard. And a lot of people keep saying it was he was killed by police. He was not killed by police, he was a security guard in the apartment complex.
1: I think and, uh, actually I think he was like a volunteer. Um I don't think he was
0: employed as a security guard. I think he was a neighborhood watch volunteer. Right. So I'm not but playing. he wasn't right, but he wasn't a he wasn't on the police. he wasn't yeah. part of the right. But a lot of people assumed that he was. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so from that killing, Black Lives Matter was formed. And it just somehow it got traction and that group has raised like millions of dollars and is supposed to go to go toward, I think the uh, support studies or whatnot. But we all know now that since Patrice Culler is one of the founders founding members founded, she's gone out and bought like $5 million homes. She's yet to be held accountable. And when you question her on it, she'll say, Oh, it's racism. They're questioning Mm -hmm. me because of racism. Everything is racism and people use it to shut, down a conversation. And we cannot allow that. We have got to start pushing back. And that's one of the things that I liked about Trump is that he would push back. I remember during the Bush years, the younger Bush, they would call him a racist and he would never say anything. And I always felt that that's wrong. You cannot allow that to sit out there. And Republicans have been bad about that. I mean this the left has always called republicans racist and they never said anything it's just unfortunate that now i mean their and their attacks have just like increased and have solidified that whenever you say anyone who's a republican they will immediately say you're a racist you're a white supremacist and i'm like wait a minute that's wrong but because republicans i mean i guess laid in the trenches and not defending themselves that has that adjective has attached itself To being a Republican. Look at Make America Great Again. You have Joe Biden out saying it's a racist word. They're racist people. The, The man who's supposed to be the president of the United States is calling his rival party a racist. That is wrong. And you would think that you would have a media that would say, wait a minute, you shouldn't be doing this. You're causing more division in the country than unity. But they won't say it because they're okay with it. They want to destroy the Republican Party. They want to destroy the country. They like having this animosity between the groups. I, when I look at it, it seems to me that the country has gone more, become more racist or identifying as racist than we ever have. And it's really unfortunate. And it's because of that one group, Black Lives Matter, who really don't care about black lives, but they want black lives to think that they're concerned about them because if they were concerned about black lives, they would be going to the black communities and saying, we need the police. We don't need to defund the police. We need to protect our children.
1: Yes, yes, the children, Rob, that's the thing. I mean, how do you, how, you know? But I think in a lot of areas of our society, we've seen not so much concern for children. You know, I mean, there's a lot of claims that we love our children and children are our future, but I mean, I, I think this is one of the more egregious examples, you know, we hear black lives matter, but I mean, is there a concerted effort to protect children from anybody who would hurt them, whether they're white or black, you know, people, you know, is there an effort to raise money on their part for safe, secure facilities for children? Uh, in the inner cities so that they won't be as likely to get caught in the crossfire of gang violence or for charter schools so the children can have a chance at a better education. You know, we saw during COVID, we saw a lot of concern about health, but the truth is children weren't, you know, really at mortal threat of COVID. And, you know, it was, it was a good idea to try to protect elderly and and vulnerable Americans, but you know, putting ch- healthy children in masks for years and shutting down their schools, um, I don't think showed so much concern for children. Um, I just, you know, with this trans business, I think we see adults with a strong agenda and fiery opinions about their right to undergo elective surgeries and change their sex, fine. But why should this be a child's responsibility or or why should children have to listen to this let's get real you know children do not you know have active sex lives that they need to resolve i mean they shouldn't they're they're still children and yet these adults these selfish adults who believe in a certain way they want to indoctrinate children so that that the children will grow up to agree with them and think like they do. And if it confuses children, they're not concerned with that. So I think in various areas of our our culture, um, you know, I have a friend, Carol Markowitz, who wrote a book about this recently, um, with uh, another author, Bethany Mandel, and I, I just bought their book, I haven't read it yet. But it's You know, I think it's sort of generally about this, about how American children have, you know, we're supposedly a society that loves its children. But in recent decades, uh, you know, there's a lot more concern among adults about, you know, their politics, their views, their rights, you know, their problem. If they want to have sex changes or, you know, they get into altercations with the police or, you know, they, uh, you know, are scared for their own health. Um, You know, look, I mean, that's all fine, but at least they're adults and they have choice and agency and they can make some choices to decrease the likelihood that they're going to get COVID or that they're going to get in a fight with the police or that they're going to, you know, be uh, subject to this or that. But, you know, children really don't have as much liberty or power as any adult in the society, you know, and it seems to me that adults have been quite selfish in recent years, and really haven't taken so seriously, you know, protecting children, prioritizing their rights ahead of, you know, these adults who in many cases are kind of adult fools, in my opinion. And it doesn't mean the adults don't have rights or don't have a point of view, but maybe it would help it would help for sure the whole society. And I think it might help these adults if they were a little less focused on themselves and their feelings all the time, that they shouldn't have to feel uncomfortable and they shouldn't have to feel, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe you're an adult. Maybe you have more physical and emotional resources to, you know, even if you do are in a situation that's uncomfortable, you know, maybe instead of, you know, being so hyper concerned about your you know, interactions with everybody and is somebody looking at you funny and is somebody improving what you do with your genitals. You know, maybe you should think about, you know, people who really need protection like children. And that's what I want to say to a lot of these leftist selfish people.
0: They're completely selfish, but they don't care. They, they don't care. It's all about them. And they want to run these crazy experiments on children. They want to make children afraid with all of the stuff that they're putting out there. And that's one of, an, another reason why the media is so comfortable running these crazy stories about someone is going to get you. And it's the racist person. And it's, it's, it is the height of stupidity. It's crazy. And I'm like, how did we get here in 2023? We want mm-hmm. to say that children can change their, their gender, their genders by just, just thinking it and like, it's all okay. And if you talk out against it, all oh, well it's because of racism. <laughs> they always want to bring racism in it. You get mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg who's saying that he wants to do something about transportation because it's racist. Every, everything they want to hang their hat on that. No one seems to be, like you said, where are the, where are the real adults?
1: yeah right and it's like where
0: are the adults are going to stand up and say this makes no sense
1: right and it's like frankly i mean even if there are some things that make life a little harder for adults but i mean you'd like to think that i mean you'd like to think that you know for instance as an example i mean if you don't have enough police in neighborhoods and crime spirals out of control you know who's the victim it's innocent people including children i mean it's like i get it people shouldn't have to feel that it's a police state we don't want police brutality police have to be professional all of that but i mean that's one point fine but i mean just try to do away with the police i mean you'd think some of these people would would look around and say you know what I don't want to have to be searched or stopped a lot and, you know, I'm going to work for, you know, more professional policing, but if I have to be stopped a couple times and, you know, the trade-off is that a child doesn't die because crime isn't out of control, then you know what, maybe it's not the end of the world if I get stopped and I cooperate with the police and, you know, or, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I have some issues with my sexuality and my identity, and I'm struggling. And, you know, not everybody in the world is educated to to genuflect and defer to me. But, you know, the the trade off is that, you know, what more kids get to keep their innocence and not be confused. And I'm a big girl or boy or whatever I am. And you know what, I'm not such a A cream puff I can go out in the world and as long as my basic legal rights are protected you know I can take care of myself I don't need you know kids to be indoctrinated to love me and approve of my choices I mean I just I don't know I mean I just to me I just feel like a lot of this stuff is just adults wanting a perfect world to be made for themselves so that they never have to feel uncomfortable or nervous or You know, that there's zero chance of them ever being mistreated by another adult, which, of course, nobody should be mistreated. And in a perfect world, no one, the hair on anyone's head should ever be harmed. But the reality is there's a certain amount of risk to us all in life. And I personally would rather take that risk as an adult than have children be victimized more because of my selfishness and my inability, my my complete inability to endure, you know, any discomfort or potential, you know, mistreatment from another adult. And I feel like we have this world where, you know, these special interests and groups are, you know, the, you know, God forbid, you know, COVID spreads to one person who's elderly, who's lived a full life. I mean, I I don't mean to be insensitive. I don't want anybody to die of COVID. And I protected my elderly relatives as best I could. And but at least adults you know they have the agency and the chance to stay in to take precautions to try to protect them why do, why must the children's world be shut down you know to reduce to almost zero the risk to anybody who's 90 years old i mean you know it's all sort of part of this this mindset that that you know everybody deserves and is entitled to a risk free protected, cradle to grave, socialistic, indoctrinated into, yes, you will be accepted and respected by everyone you encounter, mindset of the left. And I think the children are, you know, in many ways,
0: the victims of this. They are. It's always our innocent children who are the victims. And you have people in the media Who don't seem to care, and that is a reason why they keep pushing these crazy agendas and these crazy ideas, as opposed to calling them out. And that's extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. And because they have the microphone, they can say virtually anything. And I remember back when I was in college, and I had an argument with my professor, and it always comes back to my mind. I remember we were talking about the media and its influence on society. And he said that the media cannot control what we think. They don't set the agenda. And I said, you're wrong. They do. And he said, no, no, they don't. They don't. And I think about that now. Right. And I think about what's, what we're encountering now. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I know about free speech. I know that it's in the Constitution. But Heather, they've gone way too far.
1: Well, but this is why it's good that we're having these conversations, Rob. I always say it, and it's true. It's like, look at you and me. We're a, a black man and a white Jewish woman, and we're speaking, you know, mind to mind, heart to heart. And, you know, I mean, if you listen to the media, we would be on opposite sides of everything, and we would be at odds. I mean, I think the best antidote to this media sensationalism and harping on these contentious hot button issues is just real life you know having friends of different backgrounds talking talking about the issues and talking about other things about art about culture about sports about you know just keeping your perspective it's it's all we can do you're right we're in a media world a media age and a lot of it is sensationalism, and it, the worst of it, even worse, I think, is the sensationalism. Like you said, is uh, just these, you know, pitting people against each other. And and I know, you know, the liberals say that the conservative media does it some too. I don't think they're as bad, but I do see what they're talking about. You know, right, I
0: and, see it. I see it. They're, and, not, they're not. They're not in the clear.
1: You know, you don't need to see. Repeated over and over again on a loop, the worst things that anyone did in the country that day, you know, and, and get people all stirred up. I mean, I think it's a balance. I think that, you know, we do need to know about crime and conflict, and it's part of the landscape, but I think the way in which it's reported should be you know, um, less opportunistic, you know, like I the example I gave not to keep going back to it. I don't think we needed to know that at all, that these couple of foolish people got in a fight in Central Park. I don't think it was something that had to be national news. You know, I think that some of this is, uh, elective and, you know, the media's stirring it up. And, and, you know, I remember this in the eighties when I was a kid, you know, they would talk all the time about black Jewish relations and, I mean, not to say that it's Shangri La, but I grew up in Pittsburgh and I always had, you know, Black friends. My grandfather, his business, you know, he worked with a lot of Black people and they all got along. And I, you know, I never really understood this. I mean, until the media kept talking about Louis Farrakhan and, you know, Black Jewish conflicts and this and that. But I mean, most of the people I knew got along fine. And I remember thinking that's so sad. Like, what do they mean black people and Jewish people don't get along, you know? And I think for the most part we do, but you know, the media seized on this. And in the eighties, they amplified Farrakhan's voice, which, you know, I really didn't need to do, you know? And it's unfortunate. It's like they, they stoke tensions many times
0: right they did and like you said we have here tonight a black man and a white jewish woman having a conversation and you've been on the show multiple times we don't always agree on everything we have our difference of opinions but we're able to have the conversation we're able to have an adult conversation which is what we need in society without people shying away or trying to throw the race card or this card to shut down the dialogue folks it has been great conversation tonight. You're tuned in to After Dark with Robin and Andrew. Unfortunately, we've got to go, but we hope you will keep the dialogue going. Keep talking. Don't stop. Don't give up. I know that it seems bleak out there, but we've got to persevere and we've got to keep moving. And above all things, be prayerful and come back and hear us again on After Dark with Robin and Andrew. Be blessed. Good night. Thank you.